And welcome to another class in the bunker. Uh, welcome to everybody who's uh, catching this, whether it is on uh, Facebook or uh, sometimes uh, we have uh, almost as many on uh, YouTube now. And then just a reminder that you can go to Apple Podcast under uh, LDS uh, classes, class discussions with Kevin Hinckley and pick up the podcast on that and, and listen to us while you vacuum. Wouldn't that be lovely? Um, okay, and so l let's go ahead and get started. Um, and some people are going to look at this and go, what a really odd title, the, the triumph of the, of the heel grabbers. Well, as we're going to talk about kind of extensively, we are heel grabbers in some really wonderful sort of ways. So let's start off with a, a, a statement from Joseph Smith. He, he gave this in 1842. It's actually in section 127. Uh, he gives this in, in 1842. And this is after uh, being in Liberty, and, and he's just uh, been able to, to challenge uh, Missouri's uh, governor who's wanting to extradite him for, uh, for uh, shooting Governor Boggs, which he didn't do, but the state wants to get him there, and Illinois says, no, we're not going to extradite him. So he's feeling some sense of relief in 1842. Um, and then he records this statement, which I think is just perfect for uh, Joseph Smith. Here's what he says. And as for the perils which I am called to pass through, they seem but a small thing to me. But as the envy and wrath of man have been my com common lot all the days of my life, and for what cause it seems mysterious, then he says, but nevertheless... Deep water is what I want to swim in. Deep water is what I want to swim in. And you look at the breadth of, of Joseph's life, that the more he grew and developed, the more opposition he faced, pushing back against him. And, and so much so that they had to kind of keep moving and kept being driven out from place to place. Certainly deep water was what he was want to swim in. Uh, I think we're uh, aware of that as we've gone through this last year and even into the first part of this for those in Texas uh, enduring uh, having power outages and, and biting cold and broken pipes. And it just seems like lately we're swimming in deep water. And, and that seems to be one of those things that uh, we have a tendency to go through them and, and then there's at least some kind of the natural man part of us wants to go, really Lord? Really? I thought I was doing okay. What's going on? How come things are such a struggle? How come I'm having such a hard time with what's going on and it just seems like I fixed one hole in the dike and another one seems to, to pop out? And, and it, it may seem to us at times like we also are swimming in deep waters. Uh, deep waters meaning we don't know what's underneath the water and it just seems like it goes on and on and on and on. Okay. So we're going to talk today about this swimming in deep water and, and we're going to call it, we're going to talk about wrestling. Uh, because that, that seems to be the, the nature of the beast. As we, we're going to talk a bit about uh, Jacob 
uh, our, uh, our common ancestor here um, because brothers and sisters we, we proclaim and our patriarchal blessings want to tell us that we are of the house and family of Israel of Israel and we need to recognize where that word comes from Israel and what it means because it, it's endemic and it says something about who we are um, we need to understand that Jacob um, the grandson of Abraham was given the name Israel because the Lord is going to declare and we'll get to this in just a minute not Jacob shall your name hence be said but Israel for why because you have striven with God and in man and one out to be a member of a tribe of Israel, to be of the family of Israel, to receive the blessings of Israel, is to be connected to somebody who strove with God and with men and went out. But we're still wrestling. We're still striving. It is the nature of mortality to strive and to uh, have to wrestle with a variety of things and it starts even from the beginning with Abraham or with a Adam and Eve and they're having to they're given two competing commandments multiply and replenish and you're commanded to not eat the fruit well they're having to strive with themselves and with God to say how do we handle two competing ideas um, Paul in, in Romans 7 talks about, I don't do the things that I want to do, <laughs> meaning that his earthy man, as he called it, was always battling against the spiritual man, and that there was a battle and there was a conflict going on inside of him. And then certainly Paul's experience that Joseph Smith certainly connected with and understood with was that in city to city to city to city, he is sometimes being driven out and he's having to strive not just with God, but sometimes with the Greeks and then with the Jews and then with the Romans and, and then with the members of the church. And it just, like, like Joseph, Paul was always swimming and striving and having to wrestle. And that seems to be our lot, is that we are to be wrestlers and strivers with the promise that one day we'll win out. But man, when we're in the middle of those kind of things, it just doesn't seem like we're winning very often. Or we win and it seems to be a small battle or a temporary battle to the point that we get to be like the, Ro the uh, Roman emperors who would ride into Rome at the, the, the head of a uh, victory procession and behind him is all the, the, the slaves and the spoils of war and in that chariot would be a slave in the ear of that Roman emperor going all victory is fleeting all victory is fleeting <laughs> be grateful for this because tomorrow it may not be true so how do we wrestle how do we strive how do we strive and not get discouraged and, and keep on moving in the things that, that we're trying to do. How do, we, how do we do this? Well, it's one of the reasons why I want to take today and talk about and get a, a better sense of how exactly did 
Jacob do it. And what was the original name of Jacob before it becomes Israel? Because that's pretty fascinating. Uh, and it might really resonate uh, with us uh, in particular. Okay? So, when did Jacob, who becomes Israel, need to strive, need to wrestle? Well, it starts happening before he's even born. And we're not talking about the, the war in heaven. We're talking about while well, he's in Rebekah's womb. And, and, and she is promised before she has kids that, that there are going to be two nations grow within her. And they will strive and wrestle with one another. And if you've seen the battle between, the, between Israel and Palestinians and Israel and Arabs, you see that that certainly... Uh, was passed down the line. But there are two nations in you and they will strive with one another but the younger will rule over the older one. Now I got to think if your mom, Rebecca, who the last thing she wants to watch is her kids arguing and fighting among each other, wouldn't she kind of said, uh, Lord, could we just wouldn't it be easier if the younger one was the older one because he's born first? If the one that's going to be in charge, shouldn't he be born first? It's not how this works. And it's not how it works in most of the Old Testament. So the, the younger will rule over the older one. And the children did struggle within her. <laughs> you know, so she's feeling not just movement, but they're, they're already wrestling. And she says, if it be so that the younger one's going to rule... Why am I thus? Why? And, and she went to inquire of the Lord. And she doesn't really get an answer. But here's what happens at birth. And after that, his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. And because of that, he was called Jacob. And it means heel holder. Well, the King James Version is kind on that because the more literal version of that isn't just heel holder it's heel grabber as as Esau is emerging from the womb Jacob's holding on to his heel and kind of pulling it and being pulled out along with that he's hanging on and they'll say wow he's a Jacob meaning he's a heel grabber he's holding on now Think uh, holding on to the iron rod and you're going to have a closer idea to what we should be doing because if we are of Israel who has strived with God and man, we start off as Jacob, the heel grabber. And we are hanging on for dear life. Okay, So he's going to be Jacob from, from day one, but again, it'll be the heel grabber that ends up keeping the commandments and being the one that is going to receive the birthright blessings. Oh yeah, the birthright blessings. A little striving going on there. Well, again, it wasn't as, because the fact that Esau was born first continues to cause problems for the heel grabber who needs to be the one who gets the birthright blessing. And Rebecca, having that foreknowledge of God about what's going to happen, she's got to figure out a way to do it. So when we talk about uh, Jacob grabbing and, and having to hold on, again, at the giving of the birthright, it's Rebekah that has to 
switch hands so that those blessings are given on the right place. And in, in the eyes of Esau, this has been stolen from him. He has a birthright stolen. Okay, so the, because of that then, uh, Jacob uh, then needs, at the prompting of mom, because she's overhearing Esau saying, when dad dies, I'm going to kill him. Jacob's going to need to leave town. And he's going to have to leave the, the land of his birthright and go with uh, his uncle, Laban, in search of, uh, uh, of a wife. Now, <laughs> keep in mind, we, they did this with Isaac. And it, but this time they sent a servant to go find Rebekah and bring her back. In the case, they could have done this with Jacob, the heel grabber. But mom says, nah, I think you should go yourself. And she says to Isaac, he needs to go spend time with Laban because I don't like the Hittite women. What she's not telling Isaac is, we need to get him out of town because he's going to, um, he may get killed by his brother. It just is not turning out very well. Okay, so, so Jacob needs to then leave and, and we know this story and it's one of those uh, kind of interesting love stories that is that we know in the Old Testament remember that he's going to show up and and what happens he's going he's going to fall in love with Rachel and and he's going to serve for seven years and then uh, Lehi is kind of inserted in by Laban to make sure that she has a husband and he doesn't know to the wedding night oh my gosh it's Leah and then he's going to have to serve he will get Rachel within that week but he's going to have to serve another seven years so he's going to be there for 14 years and he's going to end up with Rachel and Leah and their handmaids four wives 11 kids and then he's going to be told by the Lord it's time to go home and, and Jacob the heel grabber is going to say but uh, my brother wants to kill me no it's time to go home go back you'll be safe don't worry about it so here is Jacob struggling with himself and he's got to take his wives and his kids and hopefully and then remember they're almost there and the word goes out from servants that says Esau's coming and he's bringing Lots of guys. And then here comes this massive wrestle that is going to cause uh, Jacob to have to work out how, to, how does he battle his fear alongside his faith. Now, let me stop at this moment because, again, this is one of those moments, brothers and sisters, that this is us. Part of being... Jacob holding on to a heel or holding on to an iron rod is we're having to sometimes hold on to our faith in the face of fear. Did the Lord really mean to bless me? Uh, am I really worthy? Am I really uh, going to get what it is that I need? Uh, do I really believe that when my, when my parents die or there's a death, that on the other side they are waiting for me. Do I really believe that? And, and sometimes, as we're going to talk about right at the end, 
That wrestle is with ourselves. We'll have a self-striving and a self-wrestle. But, it, but we're going to hone that ability to hold on based on uh, our other experiences in life. And certainly for uh, Jacob, he had been wrestling all of his life. And then he's going to stand there at the brook and he's going to put his family on the other side of the river and, and he's going to then go and pray and try and get some answers. And then we get the very, very classic moment uh, for Jacob. Because in the returning home, he's going to then pray and then he's going to have him wait on the other side of the river and when Jacob was left alone... And there he wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. Now, biblical commentators have looked at this experience, and sometimes quite literally, and it's hard for them to either understand what kind of man he was wrestling, or if this is an angel that he's wrestling, or even because he will ultimately say I've seen God face to face how can he wrestle with God God first of all wouldn't get in the mud and wrestle with a mortal secondly it's a it's a mismatch <laughs> you don't wrestle God on equal terms you know he knows more <laughs> this is God okay so they've tried to take this literally and not really understand it but this is why we need to put on our symbolic spiritual eyes to see what exactly is being said here because it's really pretty powerful. Okay? Um, and when he saw that he prevailed not against him, this is, this is God kind of saying he's not prevailing necessarily, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And everybody goes, what? And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, again, without some context, without understanding, this gets really weird. What the heck is going on? And in fact, I read through some of the biblical commentaries uh, earlier this week, and they're just like, well, you know, it's, they're trying to explain the biblical thigh thing. More than likely, this has a very clear understanding. And that is... Uh, between two men who were going to create a covenant and a promise between them. It was a very common practice in the Near East to execute a contract is that each man would take his hand and place it on the inside of the thigh of the other man because as close to the, the fruitfulness I swear by in other words you're kind of saying I swear by my kids that I will fulfill this promise so in all likelihood what is happening here isn't so much he's wrestled so much that his, his hip has popped out of joint what he's saying is he strove so intently with God that he was able to receive the promised covenant and the promised promises that were given to his grandfather and to his father. And this covenant God is remaking with Jacob. 
that he will receive all the, all these blessings land prosperity posterity priesthood all of that's going to be coming and that's symbolic uh, in, in this description I believe of this weird little element here of, of the, the thigh and stuff like that it's, it's very much a poetic way of saying Jacob strove powerfully to, to get the covenants that God had promised him and he strove with his righteousness and he strove with his earnestness and he strove with his faith but held on almost like he had held on at birth to Esau's heel he is now holding on to God and not letting go even though he's surrounded by fear of what is about to happen the next morning with Esau coming with all of these men will they be killed or can he rely on God's promise God for his part says and he's going to say let me go for the day breaketh and he says I will not let go and except thou bless me you can hear that covenant and that striving I will not let go I will not let go of my faith I will not let go in my trust in these promises I will not let go till I get those promises the heel grabber is still is still holding on tightly and and we know at this moment and it's one of the and to what to me it's one of the really beautiful moments that in so many ways has some symbolism back to the atonement because here comes Esau and Jacob in his humility will will bow down over and over uh, seven times until he comes near his brother you see kind of this broken heart and this contrite spirit and this desire to have this reconciliation with his brother and what he's going to get then and Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and and the, the record says and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept for all of the f striving and the worrying and the fearing what a great great moment that Esau who he has feared will be the one that will embrace him and love him and reconcile with him and he is really at that point fulfilling his sense of Israel one who strives with God and man and prevails that heel grabber has held on until he got the blessings that he needed now I want to pause for just a second in this because there's a very it's in understanding this moment I need to link it with some with another experience uh, and it's going to harken back a little bit to what we were talking about uh, last week and tie something together uh, that is an unfolding of, a, of an understanding that perhaps we haven't ever really kind of seen before uh, and it's going to be this and that's going to 
be for us to take a much closer look at the deeper meaning of the parable of the prodigal son. We talked last time about the prodigal son. This is the moment where in Capernaum, Jesus is standing in his doorway. The Pharisees are standing in the street. They're looking over his shoulder and they're seeing the sinners eating at his table. And they're asking him, what in the heck is he doing? Rabbi, what are you doing? And remember, he's going to give three parables. Lost sheep, lost coins, and lost sons. And the third, a man had two sons. And he's going to give us this parable of the prodigal son that we love so much. Um, and, and, you rec- and, and as we were talking about, remember that the, that the younger son is going to sell, he has to sell off a third of the land to get the money to go squander it. So the family property is devalued by a third. And he's going to go off and he's going to spend it and he goes off and ride us living and we know that story. And then remember, again, he's going to come to himself. We might say he begins to wrestle with himself. And now he's going to come back expecting to be a servant. And you remember, his father is going to run to meet him, bringing his, his servants, and he's going to say, put the ring on his finger, put the robe on there, put shoes on his feet. My son was lost. Now he's found. Now, ahead of that, incredible, incredible moment uh, when he... If, if that son was showing up into town into a village that would have maybe thrown him out because of the way he dishonored disrespected man in the village and father had to actually go out to meet him and protect him for maybe for the backlash of the town how does he respond to him? well remember he's going to do it in a very passionate sort of way and listen to listen to the way that uh, that Jesus frames this story and I want you to see it against the backdrop of Jacob and Esau and their reconciliation because what Jesus does at this moment is masterful and I have to admit I had not seen it before this week and it kind of blew me away when when I when I realized exactly what I think Jesus was doing the the prodigal son and he arose this son and he came to his father but when he was yet a great way off his father saw him and then listen and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him Esau ran to meet him embraced him fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept We can't be sure, but it's almost, I believe, that what Jesus is doing is a very deliberate tying in this story of the prodigal son to Jacob and Esau. 
because he's going to use the same language. When we see the same language being used, that should jump out at us in trying to interpret and understand scripture because it's meant that those two verses should be linked if the language is the same. And and Jesus would have known his Hebrew scriptures and this story very well and so did the Pharisees. This would have leaped out of, if it's what I think it is, it would have leapt out at the Pharisees and they would have seen the immediate link to Jacob and Esau. Remember, we're we're the children of Abraham, right? What's it, and what Jesus is really saying at another level is not just to them these, sin, these sinners eating at my table were lost and now they're found and we should be celebrating their return not punishing them there's no vengeance here as we were talking about last week there's no sense of punishing they've already been punished by their distance these sinners are have come back they are prodigals and we should love them and embrace them but what Jesus is also doing here is saying to the Pharisees your father Jacob Israel has in a sense become prodigal they have sold their birthright they have they've been they're lost and they need to be come back and they need and we need and me I need to embrace them I'm loving them. I will love Jacob. I will love Israel as I always loved them as Jehovah. I will embrace them and kiss them and bring them home. And you should too. But he's also very much saying to the Pharisees, you're also lost. You are also prodigals. And you also need to, you'll find that there is a loving father that can that, that can be there now that in some way would be distasteful to them because in tying it to Jacob and Esau they would say Esau left the faith Esau was unfaithful Esau married the Hittite women Esau cannot be a, a uh, symbol for this and what, what I think Jesus would be saying to him is if Esau could do it, so much more so can your heavenly father do it. And so much more so can I do it. Jacob, come home. Back to your birthright. And like I say, brothers and sisters, I had, I had not seen that until this week. That Jesus has created another layer of the prodigal son all the way back to Jacob and Esau. Just terrific and just powerful. So we get these we get these side by side um, reconciliations of Jacob and Esau and father and prodigal son and they are the same. Very, very cool. Okay, now one last layer that I want to put on this is we're talking about the fact that striving and holding on leads us to be Israel which means there is a reconciliation coming if we will just just hang on 
through our wrestling and don't let go be it iron rod or be it faith and 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 it is one more parallel that comes in an interesting place and it shouldn't be lost on us at all and it comes here with Enos who was who was Enos's father Jacob Behold, it came to pass that I, Enos, knowing my father Jacob, the heel grabber. Oh, no, 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 that's, that's their patriarchal father, who Jacob was named after, most likely. Knowing that my father Jacob, he was a just man, and he taught me in his language, and also in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then, what, what does Enos do? Well, you know. I will tell you of the wrestle, which I had before God, before I received a remission of my sins. Wrestling. Striving. Heel grabbing. Not letting go until we have made it through and received the, the promised reconciliation. That remission is the reconciliation of returning to the presence of God who is waiting for us like the father of the prodigal son. Waiting for us like Esau to love us and fall on our neck and kiss us because we are now comfortable back in his presence. Brothers and sisters, I think that's our challenge. Our challenge is very, very much about wrestling. And, and, our, and, our, and our wrestling in our life seems to be unrelenting. And at each age, there is a different wrestle for us. At each stage of our spiritual development, there is a wrestle. We watch our kids wrestle. We watch our grandkids wrestle. But we also have the inner wrestle that Paul talks about. I do not do the things I want to do, but I do the things that I hate. I'm wrestling with myself and the principalities of darkness. And then he says in triumphant in Romans 8, and nothing can separate me from the love of God because I have successfully uh, uh, strived with against strived with God and men and received my reconciliation brothers and sisters I bear you my testimony that the Lord knows that this mortality was going to be a wrestle and it was not going to be easy He's provided a way with his, to, to seek out and find his love and give us the promised blessings if we just hang on a little while longer until we re realize everything that he has in mind for us. I pray that we can do that on this day and, and through this week to strive and hold on. And I leave that with you in Jesus' name. Amen.